On today's episode of the Rugby Room Podcast, we have got an awesome interview with Australian pro rugby player, Billy Meeks, and we're going to jump right into it right after Carter runs the plugs. Hit him, Carter. Yeah, baby, of course. As always, guys, the Rugby Room is brought to you and powered by the Canadian Misfits. The Canadian Misfits are a non-profit sport organization with the goal of developing high-performance rugby players. You can find them on their website at canadianmisfits7s.ca or check them out on social media. Their Instagram and Twitter is Canada Misfit 7s and their Facebook is Canada Misfit Rugby. We also want to shout out North American Muscle. Uh, North American Muscle was, was established to provide top-quality, cost-effective commercial and residential fitness equipment using material, components, and labor sourced exclusively in the U.S. and in Canada. For a 10% discount on all equipment, use our promo code RUGBYROOM at checkout. That's promo code RUGBYROOM at checkout. And you can find more details at www.northamericanmuscle.ca. That's www.northamericanmuscle.ca. All right, everyone, we're stoked to announce our next guest in the pod. This guy has a wealth of rugby experience. To name a few, he has played for two premiership clubs, the London Irish and Gloucester, as well as two different Australian super rugby teams, the Western Force and the Melbourne Rebels. And now finally, he's suiting up for the LA Giltinis of our MLR. So please welcome everyone, Billy Meeks. What's up, Billy? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely, yeah, man, of course. Man. Appreciate, appreciate you taking the time after uh, what I'm sure was a busy... Busy training day midweek. We're catching you. Uh, Rays are coming off the pitch. So, uh, yeah, man, we appreciate you taking the time. Um, no, no I guess I'll hop right into it, Jay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I guess I wanted to start off just why the MLR and why the Guiltinis? Like, was it what was the decision to process to come over to North America? Yeah, I mean, this is probably the number one question I've been asked over the last sort of six months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, you know, there's a few reasons, really. Um, one of which is um, I'm a big believer in change. Um, and I think change, regardless of what it is, um, often turns to growth. So, um, you know, if you look at sort of my career and where I've been, I've, I've sort of moved around a little bit um, and tried different teams. And, I, you know, every experience has been different and definitely made me a better player So and a better person, I suppose. So, yeah, I think I think the change is one thing. And then the second thing is probably that I'm a, I'm a big believer that the MLR is um, – is going to be a really, really good competition. Um, and I think it's probably not quite where it needs to be right yet, but um, yeah, it, it's almost there and it's attracting bigger names, bigger players, uh, better players, probably more players in their prime now. Um, so it's an opportunity to grow and um, to be a part of a team from the very beginning is, is not something you can often say you've done. So, um, and then, I mean, obviously the, the sprinkle on top is living in LA. So um, <laughs> yeah, there's a few, few reasons there. Yeah. That's awesome. And was it uh, Giltinis or Bust? Like, were you think were you coming to the MLR no matter what, or were you kind of just like, I want to be on the Giltinis, and that was kind of the big draw for you? Um, yeah. So probably probably LA Giltinis come first. Um, I'd always sort of kept one eye on the competition in America. I'd probably say if you'd ask the majority of rugby players around the world, they'd love to play in America at some stage of their career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously the LA Giltinis has a pretty strong Australian influence um, with an Australian owner and right. Australian coaching set up and there's a fair few Aussies in the team. So, um, obviously that that pathway was a little bit more accessible for me. Um, and, yeah, I suppose, as I said, coming to LA and playing in the MLRs is, is probably just a bonus. 
Yeah, for sure. Oh, why? So I've heard this a couple of times from just like watching interviews and stuff. Everyone says like the America is such a great place to play. What is the draw for you about America? That was like, that seems like, like so many players want to actually play here. Uh, well, I mean, I've only ever visited America for holidays and I've always had such a good time. Um, all the people are very welcoming. Um, you know, I've, I've visited a few cities um, and I've just always had a ball and I've always thought this is, you know, Besides living in Sydney, which is obviously such a beautiful place, when I come to America, it's one of those places you get to and you go, you know what, I could actually, I could actually live, see myself living here. So, um, yeah, I suppose just the, the lifestyle um, and the people and then, um, yeah, just the opportunity to live here and actually play rugby for a living, you know, it's pretty special. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I mean, cherry on top, living in LA, it can't be too bad. Recovery days probably, uh, probably aren't <laughs> bad. Go down on the beach a little bit. So, I mean, uh, yeah, that can't be too bad for sure. Um, so comparing kind of, um, I guess, well, you were, you were just recently, uh, playing back in the prem with, uh, London, right. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, yep. so give us a bit of a, com- a comparison of, of, I mean, I guess you've only played one game. We're catching you pretty early, but even like the training regimen and, and a bit of a comparison between, uh, um, some of the other teams you've played for. Yeah. So, um, probably the biggest difference I've noticed in terms of where I've played in the past is there's a big difference between super rugby and playing in Australia and then playing in the premiership in England. Um, both games are quite different in the sense that obviously the weather plays a huge role in what the game looks like. Obviously in the Southern hemisphere, we're, we're pretty fortunate. We've got lots of sunshine. We're playing, uh, on fast decks. Uh, the ball's a lot more, uh, moving around a lot more, a lot more free flowing game. It's a little bit faster. Whereas you move to the premiership, and it's obviously wet, windy, it's cold and bigger bodies, a little bit slower game, but probably a little bit more physical and tactical. So in terms of the MLR, I'd probably say it's more similar to Super Rugby. Um, I was pretty blown away by the, the pace of the game. I think our game on the weekend's probably a hard one to judge just because it was quite stop-starty. I think both teams, a few too many errors and they would have, would have liked. But um, yeah. in terms of the training, like the training that we're doing now is um, just as hard as I've ever done anywhere else. So... Um, we're running a really good program here and, um, you know, it's as good as anyone that I've been involved in. And in terms of the game, you know, we played on a 20 degree day on a fast deck at the Coliseum. Um, and, you know, it's as good a conditions as I've ever played in. So MLR is probably, in my opinion, as, as close to super rugby as you're going to get. Awesome. And what about like, I guess the kind of the culture, because like you said, you're their first year of the team, you're kind of building it so far, but as I understand, you've got quite a mix of, you know, ex- really experienced guys, you know, like coming in like, like yourself and um, some other guys in your lineup. And you've got all these, also these young kids. Like I've got buddies who are also now training in MLR too, who are just like last year, they're playing university rugby in Canada, which is not, not comparable to the, the same as uh, in Australia or the UK. So what's that kind of like team culture like and the difference, how do you like manage the differences between your, your players? I suppose that's one of the beauties of this competition. Um, we've, we've, we're pretty fortunate. We've got some, some older heads who have been around the block, played in World Cups. Um, and I suppose they, they straight away set the tone for you. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got guys who are younger, who is their first experience or first taste of professional rugby. So finding a balance between, um, obviously, the culture, as you mentioned, that's, that's probably the biggest part to any team of any sport. And just trying to get our identity from the very start. What are our standards? Um, what do we expect from each other? Um, and, and a lot of that's driven by the senior guys, obviously, because they, they know what to expect and how a program should run. run. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm loving working with the American guys personally because they're just so willing to learn, so eager to learn. Um, and they're just so grateful to be here. Uh, and that's probably been 
the most enjoyable part for me so far is just sort of working with the younger American guys and getting to know what they think of the game, um, how they feel out there and sort of just passing on as much as I can. Um, but in terms of culture, obviously, you know, for me personally, as I get older, I, I think the social side of any team is super important. Um, so obviously what you're doing on the pitch is, is super, super important. But for me, it's actually about what you're doing off the pitch. Um, are you getting together as a team and having a few beers, enjoying the good times, working really hard, but playing hard as well. Um, and just having that perfect balance of enjoying yourself, but working hard at the same time. And any successful team I've ever been a part of gets that balance right. And we're probably still finding our feet a little bit. Probably the only issue we're having at the moment, um, and it's not a bad issue, is that we've got too many Chiefs and not enough Indians. So um, <laughs> a lot of guys with a lot of experience and a lot of voices, but it's probably trying to manage that load and just let the, let the leaders talk um, and everyone else just sort of do your job. So that's the balance that we're trying to figure out at the moment. But yeah, it's getting there. Uh, I was looking at your, your backline. You had almost had an yeah. all Aussie <laughs> backline. Well, not all, but about at least half. Um, yeah. 10 and, 13, yeah. Yeah. And on, so I just, just touching that game because I thought it was, it was an electric game. I thought, like it was the highest scoring in the MLR that week by far. Um, mm. How did you think, how did you find like the, you, you've mentioned the gameplay itself. I just wanted to call out, not like, the refing per se, but I thought there were a couple, that dumb tackle on Adam Ashley Cooper that he got to yell. I thought that was a, nearly two of them back to back. Like, what, mm. well, how's the refing been for you? Like, like, just from your perspective as a player compared to like the other leagues you've played and the more developed leagues, I'll say. Yeah, I think, firstly, I don't know. I think ta- uh, Swoop had a target on his back that game. They'll come for him. Oh, yeah. From all angles. But um, the refereeing, it's, it's something we've spoken out a fair bit in the last three weeks as a playing group because it's definitely different. I don't, I don't think it's any better or worse. I just think there's... It's just a di- different view on how things work. I think the breakdown is refereed extremely different over here. Um, we're obviously taught a certain way um, to approach breakdowns, both um, attacking and defending, but we're not getting much pay out of our sort of on-ball jugglers, which is obviously a big part of Southern Hemisphere rugby in Australia um, for traditional sevens and eights and um, sixes getting on ball. We're not seeing much pay out of that. So it's probably just about adjusting to that. The referees have told us that they're watching the off- offsides uh, a lot harder than anywhere else does. So, again, we, we probably gave away too many penalties in that area. Um, but, yeah, the refereeing, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty the same everywhere. You're always going to get calls that you don't quite agree with and um, calls that you're, you're probably lucky to get. But, um, yeah, I've seen it being pretty consistent and there's probably just a few areas we need to um, focus on to just adapt to. But, yeah, I mean, no one's ever going to be happy with a full game from a referee anyway as a player. So just about adapting, I think. Yeah. So, what about the specific, like you've mentioned a couple of things about around the breakdown? Are there anything anything big specifically that's like different over here? Um, they're, they're red hot on the rolling away side of things. Um, we mentioned in one of our team meetings that a, a lot of the sevens, sorry, a lot of the referees here have actually come from a sevens background. Um, obviously, the breakdown in sevens is pretty black and white in the sense that yeah. if you're anywhere near the ball or slowing the ball down at all, they're just going to give a penalty just to speed the game up. So. That's something we need to adjust to and um, just that offside line. Like, I mean, all, all teams try and push the boundaries a bit there, but they're just not giving you anything here. And um, you can try and toe the line as much as you want, but giving a penalty away is probably not as valuable as just taking half a step. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, kind of off of what we're talking about, but <clears throat> something I was thinking about is um, with a lot of, well, not a lot of, but I mean, fairly new franchises pretty much everywhere you go. Um, and not a whole lot of, I mean, films that films a huge part of a lot of, um, professionally, even any, any collegiate league 
um, part of your training and, and preparation for the week with, and I'm thinking kind of with um, not a whole lot of that is, 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 is your preparation. Um, I guess you kind of worry about yourself a lot more week in a week out rather than um, I don't know, kind of studying film and, and looking for uh, gaps in, in the offensive, def- the off uh, the other team's defense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's probably hard coming into a competition when teams are changing so much and trying to, trying to do as much analysis as possible, but we're not actually doing that much of it. Um, some players are pretty hot on it. Some players aren't. I know guys that don't watch their opposition at all um, ever before a game. They like to just get a feel. Mm. You know, sometimes it can be at the detriment of, you know, over-analyzing because you, you analyze someone, for, for example, that's got really good feet. And then when he gets the ball in front of you, all you're thinking is this guy's got good feet, this guy's got good feet, right. and then he steps you. Sure. Whereas if you don't know, you almost just make sort of natural reads and back your ability. Um, personally, I, I'm really big on analysis stuff. I, I've always sort of not liked knowing what's coming, um, like knowing what teams doing. I get a, a big kick out of making good defensive reads and sort of analysing teams. Um, but so far this season, I reckon we've done probably the most, the little little amount that I've ever done anywhere on, on the opposition because there's probably just not that much footage to look at. Like right. Seattle, the team we're playing this weekend, um, you know, we can look at their games from last year, but they've they've had a huge turnover of players, so it's probably going to be completely different. So we've only got one game to go off. So yeah, right. Yeah, as I said, too, that's the challenge. Is teams are so are changing so frequently. Um, yeah, like you said the pool of players change, so it's it's tricky to make calls mm. and and kind of know who you're going to be lining up against. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, sure. it's a big test this weekend. You got the uh, these guys are going for a three peat. Yeah, yeah, we've spoken about that's that, and yeah. Yeah, they're they're a dangerous team. They got some threats across the park. They're a really big physical pack. Uh, they got some big boys in the centers. I think they're both over 100 kilos, and I don't know what that is in pounds, but they're big boys. And then their back three is quite electric. So um, yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to be pretty on our toes this weekend. It's gonna be a tough battle. Yeah, and it was any uh, I was specific good. preparation for that. Sorry, Danny. No good. Um, yeah, I mean, for me personally. Uh, Coming up against big centers, I probably prefer it because um, a little bit more razzle dazzle and ball playing. It's more sort of straight up yeah. and down, and you know you know what's coming. But I think instead of tackling the backs this week, I'll probably just get a couple of big forwards running at me and just get used to hitting some bigger bodies. Oh, fair enough. Um, I saw in your just I think it was I think you reposted or someone in the Kilt Teenager posted last week. I saw the the was the Free Jacks were throwing some some shade about how they'd been working their butts off in the snow and they're going to come out with something special for their vacation LA boys. And I thought it was funny uh, that the little banter there between the two, <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, no backstory really, but Ryan Martin, who's the head coach there, he actually was working at the rebels when I was there. So he was my backs coach there or skills coach. Um, so I knew him quite well. And then um, we've got a good relationship. And when I saw him put that up, I was like, I, I could reshare this now, but I'm going to wait till we get the result. <laughs> and then I'm going to put it up so it looks awkward for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I caught up with Ryan after the game. He's obviously just trying to throw a bit of banter, which is which is always healthy and um, provides a bit of a laugh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's that that's a- funny too, because compared to the, like the UK or Super Rugby, I mean, coast to coast, you're getting completely different weather. You know what I mean? So hmm. I know it's kind of, it's section in conferences now, so you won't really see as much of it, but I mean, they probably never played in, in uh, well, maybe in, in, um, in the Premier might've a bit, but go on, you could snow one week to, to, like you said, 20 the next week. So that's, uh, yeah, it's quite exactly. I mean, of, of weather. we've played some pretty cold stuff in England, but we're even looking at it this week, like Seattle, I think that the weather there now at the moment, it's like eight, eight to 10 degrees max. And then, 
you know, the, the Coliseum on Saturday is every chance it'll be 25 to 30 degrees. So it's a, yeah. for every team, it's a bit of a challenge playing on the road when you're not used to the weather. Mm-hmm. So you kind of touched on earlier just about, you know, managing your Chiefs. Um, and so I just, you got obviously like the guillotines threw a couple big names to, to go on the list with Gitto, Ashley Cooper, yourself and uh, DTH. And how, how's it been with kind of those guys? Um, like to me, honestly, looking at it, I don't, I don't want to pump your guys' tires too much, but it looked like you're playing at a, just a bit of a faster speed. Um, and I think that was like very like prevalent to me. So that's why I kind of asked about like, how's it like working with these U S athletes? Cause it does seem like the speed of the game is there. Um, but mm. what's it kind of like working with those guys and how is their impact and your impact on, like you said, some of these younger and less experienced players? Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, a big part of me signing was, was because Matt Gitto and Adam Ashley Cooper had signed here as well. Um, I've always played, I've never played against Gitts, but I've played against um, Adam Ashley Cooper a fair bit. And, um, you know, Gitts is someone that um, I don't want to make him sound old, but he's someone that I grew up watching in school um, who was obviously, in my opinion, the, the best 12 in the world um, for a number of years there. And mm-hmm. an opportunity to go and learn off someone like that for me is just invaluable. Um, and it's been, it, it's lived up to its expectation. He's the ultimate professional. Um, he's got a perfect balance between working hard and having a beer and enjoying himself. And I'm just learning so much. Like DTH has obviously played at uh, four World Cups or something like that. I don't know. He's been around the yeah. block. Um, <laughs> and he, he's just hes just a beast. He's so confident. Um, and obviously Adam Ashley Cooper is a defensive genius. So I'm, I'm just learning so much off, off these three guys alone. And I think probably the biggest thing for us and the instruction we've been given is to just do what we're good at. Um, you know, we're, we're still trying to find that balance. Um, you know, I'm having conversations with those three guys or especially Adam Ash and um, Gets every single day about, you know, what do you like to do here? What are you thinking here? This is kind of what I'm thinking. And we're still trying to find that balance. I think the combina- combination will still take a few weeks to really click, but um, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the, the opportunity to work with those guys. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be pretty special in a couple of weeks when we start clicking. Yeah, so I saw the glimpse of a couple electric plays. Yeah, actually, a couple peg off. I saw DTH with the, the double to start the game, and mm. just you can see you can see it breaking. I think you had one play that was just a sweet back move and just didn't work out right at the end. But it's like when those things click is when it, mm. it's like magic on on TV. <laughs> no. Yeah, definitely, but, definitely. Yeah, and uh, what's life in in LA like? Like, how is the how's the city been, and uh, how has the the fans kind of uh, received you guys? Yeah, so it's, a, it's probably a hard one to answer at the moment because we haven't actually been in LA. Um, I don't know if anyone knows that, but we're actually in Oxnard, which is an hour north of LA. Um, oh, gee. Yeah. So we've been here for we've been here for three weeks. Um, so we, we we've only been going up for sorry down for games. So we yeah we're in camp here. I think it was our um, lower cases of COVID here, so it was a lot safer environment for us to train. Um, at least for the first part of the season. So it's our last week here. Um, and then we're going down to LA on Friday, um, stay there Friday, Saturday night, play Sunday. And then we're all moving into our houses uh, scattered around LA. So yeah, I, I don't know. I popped up, I popped down a few times um, and I, I love the place. Like I, I can't wait to be living there full time and sort of immerse myself in the, in the LA culture. So yeah, we haven't quite got there yet, but what I've, what I've had a taste of, I've, I've absolutely loved. So looking forward to it. Yeah, for awesome. sure, man. Question outside of that, outside of uh, um, LA and then just the, the league itself, but um, how, how how big do you think the MLR can get? And where do you kind of see this league going? I mean, investing your time and you see a lot of these other big names and faces that are coming over here and 
um, more pools of players attracting attention. Um, I don't know. I mean, can, can competition wise, where do you, where could you see this league uh, going in the next kind of five, 10 years? Yeah. I mean, as I said at the start, this, the, one of the reasons that I, I came over here is because I have a huge belief in the potential of this competition. I, I truly believe it can be up there with your super rugby's and your premiership rugby's in the top, top like club rugby competitions in the world. Um, and, the, the place I'd like to see it get to is a place where players who are in their prime or about to be in their prime look, as it, look at it as a place to come and get better and to learn and to really get picked up from. So I'd probably say at the moment it's, it's, it's a case of players coming towards the back end maybe, still in their prime maybe, but just towards the back end um, to experience it. And it's still a good level of rugby, but for it to be world-class, you need to be signing young players in every squad that are that are coming into their prime so that all the squads, the level goes up, competition goes up, and it needs to be a world-class competition and standard for it to, to really grow. So that, that's where I see it going definitely because it's it's starting to snowball into that at the moment with the, you know, you see people signing at the moment. I'm sure next year will be even more impressive and, yeah, it'll snowball from there. But, yeah, I, I can I can really see it in the next five, ten years being up there with Super Rugby in the Prem. Yeah. Teams have all, all, all the key ingredients. Like you're saying, you got all these old heads coming over, really setting the culture from the get-go. And then as the competition gets, because I'm assuming as a young player, you want to be have access to the most high-level competition you can because um, that's mm. the only way you're going to develop. So once the culture sets and the competition starts to, like you say, snowball, then we, like, yeah, I could, like, like you, like I get excited too, just as a fan, just like looking at it, like what it mm. could be to be going out to my like whatever drive 40 minutes to a local stadium to watch top level rugby is something that yeah. I would never have thought about like you know a couple of years ago exactly yeah and also so cool. that's what's gonna that's what's gonna help i mean north american rugby and and rugby in canada and and yes the states right now as well because like you said having these um bigger names and, and veteran presences and guys with all this experience when you do have these younger guys the academy players that can then go train before um i don't know prior to a game and then go watch the game right uh, start seeing that 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 next level and um, seeing it as an opportunity. It gets like gets kids in the in the right atmosphere um, at the right time. And even those guys rolling through, like you said, with that pool of players, they're got guys playing along. Um, players like yourself that are, like Danny said, coming out of university in, in Canada somewhere or um, or in the states somewhere too. So just getting kids in that mix as soon as they can is really going to be beneficial, I think, for for rugby North America as well. So that's kind of so that's a huge show. Yeah, and I think I think all teams putting a, a focus on the development of, of their sort of area, you know, like I think rugby in California or in LA, you know, we've already spoken about and most of the old guys here, a big part of why they came is to really improve or grow the knowledge of rugby and, and just spread the love of the game throughout California and LA and just get all the junior programs firing, spend as much time as we can down at young clubs and just really grow the game of rugby in America and um, you know, all teams sort of focusing on that plays a huge role in the future of rugby here. So, you know, that's super exciting as well. Do you see, because um, obviously, um, especially America, huge football influence. Um, mm. Do you see that influence? Because I, I was watching your guys get and the commentator was uh, like translating rugby terms into football terms every now and again, which I think <laughs> is like, it makes sense. Like you kind of have to, to, to attract the fans yeah, and make yeah, sure yeah. to understand. Um, and on that, do you see that influence like at the player level with some of these U.S. guys? Like, are there some good parts and some bad parts um, to that influence? Yeah, I mean, we just have like we have got some American guys that are just genuine athletes, and I suppose that's what you get from the football influence, um, mm -hmm. like out and out speed or crazy footwork um, or just really good hands and just just these out and out athletes that 
probably don't have the core skills that you get from playing rugby since you were the age of five, but going through playing football, you have, you have the ability to have these set skills that you're just a full blown power athlete, which is fantastic in rugby. And then sort of adding that layer of basic skills just turns you into now a good rugby player, um, which is probably what I'd say I've seen across the board for most of the American guys, full blown world-class athletes, but then how do we get them understanding the game of rugby and how it flows and the, the core skills to make you a world-class rugby player. So that's been cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I won't stay remain conscious of, of your time, but I just wanted to, no, to cool. shout out. I wanted to shout out uh, your, your, uh, your brand, your bald brand. I, I came across yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Damn. Damn. Yeah. I put it. Yeah. I put in my notes. It said "bald brand dash fire." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, just yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Uh, maybe promote promote the promote yourself a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. No, it was it was something I, I've always um, had an interest in fashion, and I suppose the last couple of years, as you get a little bit older, you try and sort of focus on something outside rugby to keep you stimulated. When you're not at rugby, then you've got something to go home to and get excited about. I suppose. Um, and interest in fashion then obviously I'm bald so I had this I always wear hats anyway like it's not because I'm bald it's just because I like wearing hats mm-hmm. and I had this thought like about two years ago I was like I wonder if people think I'm wearing a hat because I'm self-conscious of being bald and I was like well I'm just going to put bald on the hat so I know I'm bald <laughs> but I'm still wearing a hat um, and then it sort of just yeah it trickled on from there and I was like oh I'll make some hoodies some tees um, and like obviously obviously there's there's no real serious part to it I don't you know I'm not I'm not saying that balding is bad or balding is good. It's just like, if you are bald, then embrace it because, you know, who cares? Like heaps of guys are going bald or heaps of guys are bald and who cares? So yeah, it's just a bit of fun. And then, um, yeah, it's been cool to learn like the business side of things. Like that's something I've never really learned about or known about. So it's been a learning experience and, you know, I'll just keep chipping away. It's never been something that I want to make heaps of money out of or be super successful from, but it's just, just something on the side to keep me ticking over. We'll yeah. put a link to we'll put a link to the website in our in the podcast notes or something because uh, yeah, awesome, awesome, it's super sweet. But uh, and you got there's a couple of other bald blokes in the team. You got to get this merch to those guys, right? Who's that? I think I saw your yeah. I mean, your locks. I don't know how I feel sports. about it. I don't know how I feel no, about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, like, that's kind of your identity. Normally, right? Yeah, I know. And I'm normally <laughs> like most teams only have one or two maybe ball guys. Yeah. Now we've got like four or five, and I'm like, yeah. well, normally I'm easy to to see on the field because I'm the only ball guy shining around. But now there's all this competition. Even when I'm looking at photos, I'm like, oh, oh that's not me. Oh, that's not me. So that's the guilty uh, yeah, I'll get the real boys, problem. I'll get the boys some kit. Yeah, that's their yeah, real problem. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too many chiefs. It's too many bald guys. <laughs> too many bald guys. Yeah. It's an issue. <laughs> that's glad. Yeah. Anyway. yeah I mean, well, we got a couple, we got a couple wrap up questions before we, uh, uh, send cool. you on your way. Keep prepping up for the weekend. Uh, these are a couple of just questions we, we, we always ask uh, if we have any players on the pod. Um, so favorite current rugby player? I mean, you could say yourself if you want to, guys you play along with. Um, or, uh, or Favorite whatever, current but, yeah. rugby player? Uh, David Havili. Oh, yeah? Mm. Why is freak. that? Uh, he's did, just freak, did you, Would you have played against him last year? I played against him a yeah, few times. Yep. Yeah. But I, I actually played with him uh, a couple of years ago in the Barbarians team. Um, oh, yeah. And he's just he's just a beast, legend of a bloke, and um, just does things on the field that people shouldn't be able to do. So I love watching him play. <laughs> yeah. I know. All right. And last one quickly. Who do you think is the greatest rugby player of all time or the GOAT? This is a very North American 
question that we get in basketball, football. So we thought we'd bring it over we here. Go. Yeah. Um, greatest of all time. Yeah, probably, probably Martin Nonu. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. As a, as a 12. As a 12, like, I mean, he was just outrageous. I mean, he still is outrageous. Like, yeah, carving up at the international stage, someone that big should not be able to move the way he does. His core skills, how competitive he is. Um, I genuinely just loved watching him play. So um, he, he's my goat just because he obviously plays the same position and, and just yeah, tore up for, for a number of years. And I remember the couple of World Cups ago, I like you said, he shouldn't be able to move that fast. Like when I saw him, I think it was one of that breakaway try he scored on the sticks. I can't remember who it was against, but it was just one of one of the many, I'm assuming. But he's just so yeah. fast for his size. It was just ridiculous. He's insane. Insane. Is he, is he back yeah. in San Diego now? Or is he still in France? No, he's not in San Diego. I think he might even be back in Auckland. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he might be back in New Zealand. I don't. He's not back with San Diego, no. He was also one of the first guys. Yeah. He was definitely – not the first. One of the first. One of the What's that? pioneers to the MLR. <laughs> yeah, one of the first. Yeah, yeah. Sure. All right, anyway, man, we'll... We're not going to hold you up. We're going to let you yeah. get back to prep to uh, to take down the double crown Seattle Seawolves this Sunday. 5.30 p.m. We'll be tuned in. Hopefully the uh, the fans and the listeners of the podcast will tune in. And uh, made it forever down in L.A. You might uh, get a, a DM from the rugby room hitting you up for some tickets to a game. So, 100% boys. Always welcome. We'll get you some kid as well. Just quickly, yeah, I, well, I just I forgot. You're a fashion guy, so I just thought I just have to ask. What do you think of the Guiltini's logo and kit? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Love it. Love it. I'm, I'm a big fan. Like, yeah, I think we're getting a lot. I think we're getting a lot of stick on social media for... Yeah. Um, the name and the logo and just the whole vibe, but it's kind I mean, of get over thing. it. Seriously, it's it's cool. Like it's something different. different. You know, why can't a te- why can't a team be named after a cocktail? So, um, yeah, we're doing things a little bit different. Obviously, we're a startup team, so that's how it's going to be. And um, yeah, we're having a good time. So, boys love it. We play in white, which is pretty cool. And yeah, um, yeah I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, well, it's got people talking about it. That's all that matters. <laughs> it's yeah, off talk exactly. good <laughs> Anyways, well, best of luck, man. And yeah, Crush It will be watching this Sunday. And thanks again for, for coming on, man. It's been, uh, it's been awesome. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Carter. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Right. Cheers. Take care. Cheers, boys.